All right, uh, we are live with another episode of Views from the Bench. I am Ryan Blick. I am extremely excited to have Milwaukee Admirals assistant coach on Greg Rollo. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, and I I didn't tell you this in the pre thing, but I do I do have a history of uh, not I don't know if you know if I was playing against you or at some point like that, but I was uh, I wanted to share this with everybody. But uh, I want to tell you that. It was back in 0102. You were playing for the Springfield Junior Blues. Um, I was down at the main camp uh, for that junior team, and I will tell you, uh, you put on a clinic <laughs> like at that tryout. I remember, I remember, it, I um, I remember hearing about your last name. And then when my when one of my buddies, Tommy McDonald, brought you up about it being a possible guest, I was like, "Gosh, that rings a bell!" Like, where do I know that last name from? And uh, and then also, I obviously an elite prospect and saw that you were. You were obviously the you know on Springfield Junior Blues that year, um, and you had a hell of a season, man. Like it was, and then from what I remember at that camp to uh, and then seeing your stats beside it, I just I remember even thinking to myself like, wow, this guy can play. Like, like, and then I mean, then you've had an amazing career after that. So um, it's just funny that like I remember like I'm sure you have no idea who I was <laughs> like, but uh, it's just one of those things I remember as a player watching you. And watching you play and being like thoroughly impressed by it, so just want to say it's it's funny how these things kind of all come full circle twenty years later. Like, oh, like that. so it's a great way to start off the interview. I appreciate the pumping of the tires early. I like it. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, that's funny you say that. Like Springfield, that would have been. I think if you're talking about my first year in Springfield, and yeah, I went to that I camp it, yeah, as a tryout. Mm -hmm. It was 0102, and I remember the, I remember the camp for two reasons. One, um, I remember like watching you play, and I because I remember that you went on. You do, I think you might have won USA Hockey Player of the Year that year, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you were, like just, but watching you play was, and then the other reason I remember is I remember watching a fight that happened, and one of the guys got stepped on in the middle of the fight, and his wrist slid open. And I remember who the coach was, but he jumped up on the ice and like. Like yeah, came to help. I remember it's like I was. I think I was seventeen at the time, eighteen at the time, and I was like shell shocked. Like, what is going on? <laughs> like, but uh, no, that was a little tidbit about you know it shows how small the hockey world is, but all that. But um, thanks for coming on. I really do appreciate it. I'm, I'm I'm interested to talk hockey from your experience with the Admirals all the way down to youth level, looking at the big picture of hockey as far as you know players' runways and things like that. But um, can you give me a little bit about yourself? playing history and um, you, you played in a lot of pro hockey, you even got some time in the NHL. So can you just share with some of the people out there with your playing history? For sure. Well, uh, we'll start at the beginning. I grew up in Chicagoland area. I played my youth hockey in Chicago, mm -hmm. kind of all different levels from a young age. And, and from there, I went on to play juniors in Springfield. I went mm -hmm. there as a tryout in camp and played two years for the junior blues and had a great experience, ended up having some success there. And then from there, I was uh, very fortunate. It's probably one of my proudest things in my career is, is to get a, a full scholarship to play at Ferris State University, which is in Michigan. Yep. I played four years there. Unbelievable experience, college hockey. I, I, there's not enough good things to say about that road for sure in my eyes. And then from there, it was just kind of a, a grind into, into professional hockey and, and trying to make it as an undrafted free agent player I was a little bit older. I was 24 or 25 when I was a rookie coming into pro, which is pretty old. Um, just kind of grinding my way up. I played in the East Coast Hockey League, the AHL, the NHL, and the DEL one year in Germany. So kind of touched all the levels of professional hockey and worked my way up. And a lot of good experiences throughout. And, and it's a game I love. What is one of, what are, you know, and all of your stops in the AHL, you said you played in the East Coast, you even played in Europe and even in the NHL. What do you think your most memorable moment was as far as your playing career goes? Well, there's there's a lot of memorable moments. I yeah. like I'll start start with the the call up to the yeah. NHL. Like it's and it was I was 30 years old when it happened, so it was unlikely that it was going to even happen in the first place. And I remember getting called in, in the coach's office and walking in there, and then him looking at me and like I had a really good relationship with the coach at that time and he understood the battles in my career and like he just sat down and he said you're going up and literally I froze like I, I get chills to this day like thinking about it as a little kid growing up trying to get to the NHL and then getting that call and I was fortunate that my wife was at the game that night and then my sister was also 
in town in San Antonio when, when I got the word that was going up. So it was a really cool experience for me personally. And then team-wise, I in my 12 years pro, I went to the finals four different times. Only won once, but those four teams, like there's something about a, a team that makes it that far that, that you remember those teams, you remember your teammates from those teams, and th there's something that clicks within that group to, to make it that far in hockey. So those four years were pretty special in my eyes. And going back to your first NHL game, one of the questions I have for what is it like you go into the locker room, and, but it's like that moment you put on that jersey for the first time, like I mean, I'm sure you vividly remember it and like, and because that's all everything you've worked for, like all this, you know, the blood, sweat, and not to be cliche, but all the blood, sweat and tears that go into it for that, you know, like what was that moment like? Uh, it's like I said, I don't even know how to describe it. It's you walk into an NHL locker room and there's just a pristine about it, like the jerseys and not that they don't do a great job in the NHL, but like you see that NHL crest on your jersey right here and you walk in and, and it's got your name on it. It's something that I definitely cherished that I had that opportunity to do. And then playing in a game is a whole different beast in itself. You almost, your first shift out there, your legs don't work because you're so nervous and you're sitting on the bench because you're going to be on the fourth line when you get called up. So you're not going to get a ton of playing time. So you're just waiting for your first shift and then you get out there and it's, it's a whole different level. That's for sure. Yeah. And then you, 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 you got a goal. Uh, I don't, it's uh, what was your, how did you score your first goal? So I came out of the corner and passed it up to the defenseman. And like we teach our players, go to the net and got cross-checked by one of the defensemen. I don't know who it is. Next thing you know, it was in the net and video review said it went off my leg and in. So like I told the interviewer, I think that day, I said the NHL has got way better cameras than the AHL. So if it went off me, I'm taking it. That's awesome. Do you still get the puck and everything like that? Yeah, I got the, the NHL does a great job. You get a puck, a puck with a plaque that states the date and the goalie and a picture from the game and something that it's actually hanging on the wall behind me. It's something that I cherish for sure. That's amazing. Cause that's, it's, it's one of those things where you play your entire career and that's where, you know, very few players get to get to play in the NHL and stuff like that. And, and you were able to, you know, live that dream and get it. And uh, the culmination just must've been amazing for that. But you talked about the AHL teams you had that you, you went to the finals for those four times. What made those teams, in your opinion, successful? Just the, the overall camaraderie of the group. Like mm -hmm. uh, those teams that are successful, they, they, they live and die for each other. It's, yeah. it's cliche as it is. It, it really is. When it comes down to playoffs and, and winning, especially in the American League, it's such a grind with travel and everything that goes into it. You got to have a band of brothers kind of mentality, like the blocking shots, all the difficult jobs that – you know, that, that don't get a lot of notice in the newspapers or, on, or you know, on TV for the NHL. It, those are the, the things that guys as a group, if your team's willing to do those things, those are the kind of things that took those teams over the edge. And then off the ice is extremely important as well. We were a really tight-knit group. If we'd have a team party, the whole team would be there. We'd stay late. We'd have fun with, it, with each other. Like nobody was ducking in and out, trying to get home to something better. Like, we're, we're a really close-knit family group, and, and that's what made it special. And you, you live with those are the best parts about being a player is when you have a team like that that just love coming to the rink every day and wanting to hang out with each other. And you don't almost want to go home, but some of us with families have to go home. Yeah. And that's one of the things, too, I always talk about, uh, which makes teams successful is, is – is one they all they all buy in for each other, but it's the level and the relationships that you have inside that inside that room, right? And it's I've told parents with it, that of of parents that are new to hockey, like one of the things people sometimes don't understand is that is the relationship in the locker room, how dynamic it is, and, and that that lasting impression. What are some of the memories that like for you? One of the things you miss most about the game when you went from playing to coaching. Miss, like I said, I miss the team, the, yeah. that atmosphere of having instantly 20 friends at the yeah. start of every year or 20 whatever the roster is that year. But um, just that camaraderie, that, that same likely, like you have the same goal in mind and mm -hmm. being able to hang out with each other. But then, you know, on the hockey side, it, it's the adrenaline of playing in a, in a game at the, you know, at any level, but in the professional ranks, the, the adrenaline of getting hit, scoring a goal, just that you can't you can't recreate that once it's mm -hmm. gone so i find myself on the bench a lot now when things get heated in a really tight game like in the third period and there's two minutes to go and like that adrenaline's flowing through my body and i literally can't do anything about it anymore i have to stand there and watch and 
that's the hardest part about not playing anymore because I I love those moments. I loved being in those moments. Yeah, and that's one of the things too. It's I think you know I obviously I've never coached the professional level, but when I got into coaching at the youth level, I think that was the hardest problem for me was was understanding that like at the end of the day we can only have so much impact on on the players we have the players still have to play the game and as much as we like we get into it and like my competitive juices are you know I, i'm excited i, I want to see those kids succeed and for me that was always the toughest part about getting into coaching was knowing that you can only do so much and to think that you could do more than that was just ridiculous talk and it was just you know like you know the kids just got to play and, and they have to play but give me a little bit of background on your coaching how did you get how did you make that jump from a professional hockey player to a professional coach i'd say probably it started probably the last four or five years of my career when i was playing still i was getting a little bit older i was in my 30s and really took a liking to that that leadership role and, and AHL, you get a lot of young guys that are living away from home, especially if they played in junior, they had billet families. And now all of a sudden they're 20 or 21 and, and they're living on their own for the first time. They don't have mommy to do their laundry or cook them dinner. Now it's go get an apartment, go get your cable set up. And it's, it's fascinating that 21 year olds, they need help to do that. But that's, I mean, they've had everything handed to them and I understand that. So I really took to that leadership role and, and helping them manage, you know, it's time management's a big thing with hockey because it demands a lot out of your body and, you know, nutrition and working out and all that stuff. So I really enjoyed that leadership role. And I always, and players started saying, you're going to coach like teammates, like, and it's something I, I knew I wanted to stay in the game of hockey. It's I've been playing since I was three years old. I knew that my future would be in the game. I just didn't quite know whether I wanted to go management, coaching, whatnot, but, um, when I stopped playing, I had a couple job opportunities and this was one of them. And after the interview process with Nashville and I just felt like it was a great fit. And I really was excited to get the, the opportunity to start my coaching career at such a high level. I do understand that that's, that doesn't come easy. And so I didn't want to pass up on that opportunity and I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. And that's one of the things too, that I'm glad to have you on here and talk about because that's, it's, it's coaching like and that's where a lot of people when they come into coaching and i'm sure you've had to do it is is soak up information quick right you take what you knew as a player then and just set it as a as a, well, as a coach right how do you bridge that gap right and it's one of the questions i have for you is at the ahl at the ahl level especially high talent league how do you do how do you connect some of these players who are very talented into the team game because your admiral's team last year was incredibly successful i think you guys were first in the league when you were done yes yes and so how do you make that connection how do you as a coach bridge that gap from their individual skills at such a high level to the team game i think a lot of it i mean our head coach does a fantastic job of, of selling his message right he we're very detail oriented with the admirals. We, we have a structure that we play to, but at the same time, players know that on the offensive side of the red line, we want all five guys joining the, the play. Mm -hmm. Like we want our defensemen being active. We give them freedom to make plays. And then with that, we teach them structure in the defensive zone where we demand a lot out of them. So we make sure that the player feels that we're not hindering his game. I think that's key, especially with how skilled these guys are today. If, if they feel that they're constrained or within a system that doesn't suit them, then they're going to, you know, they're going to push back on you. But we give them a lot of freedom on the offensive side. Obviously, if they're, if they're turning pucks over or doing things we don't like, it's maybe a little talk, you know, in his ear saying, Hey, knock it off or, you know, no more turnovers, but we give them a lot of freedom on the offensive side. And then we demand a lot in structure in our, in our own end, because, Obviously, you know, like all offense starts in your own end. If you're in your own end, you can't score. So we want to get the puck and get it out of our end as quick as we can. So you talk about structure and things like that, because one of my massive pet peeves with coaches is at the youth level, when they start instituting structure and, and systems into, into even the U8 level. And I know you have some kids that play. What are your thoughts on systems and all that fun stuff that, that – a U8 coach loves to do when he goes out and tries to win the, you know, the, the Fond du Lac Jamboree, but he's running a 2-1-2 system as at the U8. What are your thoughts on, on some of that? I, I, I think it's, you got to let the kids play. Like yep. for me, 
growing up playing the game, you got to learn to love the game first. And if, and I feel, I truly feel if you throw too much at them, it's going to be overwhelming and they're too young. Just let them develop their skills, skating, shooting, passing, like the basic core skills of hockey are so important. Even at our level, we work on passing and shooting and skating in the NHL. They work on passing, shooting and skating. It's so important. Systems, they'll learn their systems as they go through hockey and they grow into their game. But creativity is something that you can't really teach. And to allow kids to try things and do things. I watched a great documentary the other day, In Search of Greatness is what it's called. I think it's on Amazon Prime and it's Gretzky and Jerry Rice. But Gretzky talked a lot about his dad when they played youth teams and they played a team with a ton of structure. He said none of those kids are making it. Because yeah. there's just no creativity in their game. They get they turn we want we want players that, that they can play a system, but they're not robots, that, that they have a brain for themselves, they have a hockey IQ, they they can do things that other players can't do. And I think that's very important that at a young age is when you can start to develop those skills and that creativity and that the system work that, that stuff will figure itself out as they get older and get more elevated levels. But I strongly believe in, in young age developing skills off off the ice and on the ice and remembering that it's it's a game. Let the kids play and let them have fun. Yeah, and that's something too, and I'm glad you brought that up about the, the skills and things like that because I mean through your you know, your career, I mean, it's one of the things I always tell parents, like some it's no sense in you know teaching a kid a system if you can't complete the system right you can't do the mm -hmm. system right if you know you're running a two one two and your f one's uh, you know attacking right away but your f one doesn't have the speed to pressure the defenseman what's the point and uh the other thing too is like at your level like how how often do you change your systems like you like the the systems are constantly evolving and you know it might be game by game a team by team so trying to implement a system and kids learning that system at a young age, it's, it's almost pointless, right? It's extremely difficult. And yeah. just like listening to you talk about F1, F2, yeah. like I'm homeschooling an eight year old right now and we're trying to do some math, like simple math. So it's like these kids, they just, they gotta get out there and play. And for us, for our systems, like it's everyone, hockey is not changing. It's, it's the same, like two, one, two, one, two, two. They're all of somewhat form of each other, like especially on four checks, like we play hard and fast with the Admirals. We send two guys constantly on the four check, but sometimes it looks like a one, two, two, but every team across the board plays some form of that same system. Mm -hmm. And we, I mean, I feel like we do a really good job of selling the message to our players that we're going to make the other team adjust to us. Like yep. that's our mindset that, we're not going to bow down to anybody and we're going to force them to, to adjust to us. But when you go down to youth hockey and especially, you know, under 10 years old or even a little bit older than that, like I just, I have a hard time like teaching those concepts to kids. Cause like you said, it's like two on two, four check means two guys are going really skating really fast and getting in there really hard. But can they get, can they skate really fast yet at that age? Like, should they be working on things like that? Yeah, and that's yeah, uh, that's and that's where I always, I always, we try to really hit home and like one fun, like we have a new development program where we, and I talked about it in my last interview, uh, for the people that are paying attention, but we, we didn't allow our skaters to play in games all the way through like the first week of December, and we kept everybody in house and we worked on skills and we worked on um, trying to improve the creativity, hockey IQ, skating, passing, shooting, and we took some lumps along the way because that when our players finally got into the games. Um, you know, like they weren't as prepared as some other teams. Like we were playing against some teams that had, you know, by the time we were playing game one, they were on game, you know, 15, 16. And, uh, you know, like we weren't as cohesive as a unit, but I will argue that our players were able to be like, our players were now able to more be more creative. Their skills had improved so much. Their skating, a lot of our kids in our club went through the roof. Uh, and that was one of the things that I've noticed with hockey is, um, you know, and that's where you're coming from with a person who's coaching the Admirals. You see how long that journey is for players, right? And, like, can you touch mm -hmm. on that, like, how long that journey is and why creativity and learning the skills is so important? Because at your level, like, you got to have the skills. You guys can teach everything else, correct? Right, for sure. You can't, you can't teach like it's, it's difficult to teach hands or they can work on it when they get older. And definitely I know for me, it's my knock in my career was speed. Like I wasn't ever quite fast enough. 
So that's something that's difficult to change, you know, mm -hmm. in your late twenties, early thirties. It's something though, as a kid, you can work on, you can work on technique of your skating to, to really, you know, dial it in. It doesn't need to be, you know, super complicated, but you can work on your stride and your skate. Like I, I it always comes back to me, like as when I think about my childhood and what I went through and how I played the game, summertime came around, like, the skates went away and I played roller hockey every day in the streets because not because my mom and dad were telling me to because I wanted to like so I developed the skills because I love to play it was never forced on me or I just see so many kids today now at our level and you can kind of see start to correlate the when you tell them they need to do that little bit extra the, the pushback because like you got to really love the game to make it to the NHL. You, you, it's not an easy road and there's, there's no right or wrong way to do it. There's, there's one way and it's hard work and you're gonna have to go through a brick wall essentially to try to push through to get there. But like I said, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a sensitive subject because I have three young kids that play hockey and, and I want the best for them. I want them, I want my girls to be able to play in college. I hope if that's what they want to do, and I want my boy to take it to wherever he wants to go. But I do understand that the pressures that parents feel today that they're falling behind or, or not doing the next best thing. And, and I get that. And I understand that's kind of the world we live in. And, it, and it's, it's a little bit sad because I don't, I'd hate to see kids miss their childhood because, like you said, the, the road to the NHL, it's not impossible. I don't want to discourage people because you can do it. Yeah. But it's hard. And not everybody gets there. So don't, don't miss your childhood. Yeah, and that's uh, and we talked a little bit before this, and I, I I will firmly admit I was I am guilty of that myself, um, and I've 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 been trying to change that mentality that I've had where where I'm trying to get kids to play hockey all the time. I'm trying to get them to do this camp or this program or things like that. And um, over the I'd say over the past two to three years, I think I've realized that in order for a kid to be successful and. In my mind, I was doing it for those reasons. I want to see those kids succeed. And that was the way I thought that you could do it. And that's what I think some of the errors are on parents. They think, well, in order to get there or make that team or do this, that the easiest way is to play hockey all the time. And in reality, it's, it's farther from the truth than anything in the world because when we're playing the game, like you got to be hungry at 14, right? And I've, I've talked about runways and things like that, how long a runway is to get to the NHL or, or even just college hockey. And it doesn't matter if it's D1 or D3, but that runway for a lot of kids doesn't start till you 14-ish, right? And um, you talked about the hard work. Like hard work, I mean, when did, when did it for you, did that hard work just go into overdrive? Like, okay, now it's time. Like, you know, it's like, it was it, you know, was it eight, was it 10? 12, 14, 16, 18, like when was it that you realized now is the time I got to go? Well, I think like actually like full realizing yeah. that, you know, you're at a whole nother level is when you get to college because mm -hmm. now you're, you're playing against men. Like yep. growing up, right, coaches, there was some workout programs in junior and my midgets, but like it never, it's completely different than I think it is now. Like I don't yeah. fully know because I don't, I don't see day to day in what it's like in midgets or junior hockey, but there was no stru structure like that in midgets. It was show up and play your game. And But I think for me, when I got to college and kind of the eye opener that now it's, and then it was even more of a jump when I got to the AHL, like first time I got hit in the American League, it's like, okay, like my little frame, it's got to change. Like I can't be 170 pounds anymore. Like, so it, it can happen at all different levels. I think it's just as long as you're, know holding the course and the age group you're at and, and pushing to be the best player you can at that level yeah and that's where like we've been telling kids now like there's there's parents that chase that dream now and i always tell people just dominate your age group first if you can like thoroughly outplay your age group then you might want to consider doing something more but for most kids like that's where it needs to be it needs to be that you need to be able to be ready to, to like be ready to work out and train at a certain level you don't want to burn your kids out before mm -hmm. that um and that's one of the things like i see it all the time I, I know i know 12 and 13 year olds that already have nutritionists i know they have their own you know physical fitness instructors i know that they have you know they're already asking what advisor should i go start talking to and i'm like you're 12 <laughs> man like you, you you why don't you just go play baseball or something like have mm -hmm. some fun like it's 
to me. I just, I don't, I, maybe that's, I, I don't see it. I don't know if that's what it is now, if that's what you have to do now. I sure hope not because my kids are 10 or so years behind that. So I can only imagine if it continues to progress, but I just, I, I still got to believe that if, if your kid loves to play hockey, truly loves the game and yep. loves working at it, you're going to get found and you're going to like, you're going to succeed and you're going to get what you want out of the game. Advice for, I don't, I can't, I can't tell you the right or wrong way to do it. I can just kind of tell you the way I, I see it. And if yeah. you know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's difficult because, I, because I am a little bit removed. I don't really know how it is going right now, but at the same time, some of the stories I hear, like you said about advisors at, you know, 10 to 14 years old, like, I don't, I don't know. Like I didn't have, I, I just, it's difficult because for me, like it was just different. You just showed up and played hockey cause I love to play hockey and that's mm. what it was. And during, I'll tell you what though, I, I, and I know you did an amazing job during the safer at home. You, I, I was following you on Facebook and uh, you did some amazing training programs at home and things like that. And in fact, I gave them to one of my employees here and said, see what this guy's doing? Like you should do this. Like it's, he's doing a great. And we did a lot of that, but I'll tell you through the safer home quarantine, I I think I've seen a a drawback from a lot of parents, which I I'm excited to see because a lot of parents have now said like, "Well, we had two months off. It was amazing. Like it was. It was I mean, I don't know how it was at your household, but I I enjoyed my time at home, and I'm you know like my kids were playing outside. They were you know doing other things, and I think a lot of kids really enjoyed that time period. And I think some parents are even reevaluating their spot in in hockey and what's important to them right now. And, um, but yeah, like how did like what I and I, I bring it up because I like what you did. What made you do your your homeschool kind of hockey thing at for you know COVID nineteen and during the safer at home? It was a great way for me to bond with my daughters. Yep. Like every episode that we did, one of them joined me in on it, yep. and I just really wanted to show that. Like I do agree in you know like camps and like not overdoing it, but a camp in the summer here and there. But at the same time, I, I like. A majority of my workouts involve three pieces of tape on the ground and a stick and a puck. Yep. If you want to work and you want to get better, you can. Mm -hmm. There's some great new aids out there, and we use a lot of them with the admirals. But if, if you can't afford that or for whatever reason, doesn't mean you can't get better at hockey. Like I wanted to yeah. give a platform where you can just follow along. It was like a 20, 25-minute workout. We did some agility stuff in the beginning, and then we did about 10, 15 minutes of stick handling. We were doing it three times a week, and now uh, now we're just doing it on Fridays in the morning. So it was a lot of fun, and it accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. Was I got great bonding time with my girls? They loved the camera. They got to start to ask me like, "Is today hockey day, or today's yeah. day we're going live?" I think it's because they loved the camera and they knew they could be on live and and show their personalities. Okay. But it was a lot of fun for me, especially because of that. I had the same thing in my house. We were doing our hockey factory homeschool and we'd make videos and drills and we put them on our website and things like that. And I tell you, my daughters would sometimes, and if you listen closely to a lot of my videos, you'd hear them in the background, like <laughs> talking to me and, 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 and like saying, you know, like I remember one of the videos, I remember I made a mistake in it and they were laughing in the background at me. <laughs> I'm like, knock it off. Like, but yeah, it was, I, I, you know, it was one of those things I watched your videos. I got a lot of great ideas for things, but I, you know, it was one of those things where I, I appreciated watching your videos because you everything was simple and I, I you bring it up at home you were able to you were able to you know effectively communicate what you wanted to teach the kids live and without having all the bells and whistles and things like that because that's what not a lot of kids have access to this stuff and yeah, for they sure. were able to effectively communicate that and, and also show like you only need you know three pieces of tape you had a bunch of where you had numbers on the ground and you're constantly telling yeah. them these are the numbers and then the day before i you would even kind of throw out a little bio this is what you need the next day and you yeah. know like I was watching it and like, oh, okay, like, what, how can I use this? And like, it was phenomenal. And I like, it shows that like working at home and things like that too is, and you know, having you there to show them was, was amazing. So I think, yeah, it's similar to what you said, hockey training. Now it's when you really think about hockey, it doesn't need to be complicated, but doing multiple things, right? Stick handling while you're shuffling side to side mm -hmm. and then picking a number out as you're doing that, because when you, when you, when I had a concussion, that's a whole other story, but when the doctor explained things to me, he goes, for you to return to play, you got to break down the game of hockey. Like, 
you're going to be skating up the ice, which is a challenge in itself because you have to skate, which requires a lot of movement and a lot of thinking. Now you got a player coming at you. You got your teammates. You're trying to stick handle the puck. You got the coach yelling. You got the fans yelling. That's a lot of stuff going through your head, and you have to make a decision in a split second. So yep. that's why your brain needs a rest. Yeah. And when you really think about it, so that's why I really it made me think about my even my training when I was playing. Like I trained doing multiple things at once, trying to stimulate your brain, not just standing there going side to side with the puck, which could work, but why not jump side to side while you're doing it? Now you're activating different muscles and training your body to do multiple things at the same time. Yeah, when I was at home, I, I don't know if you had this too, but I was always trying to make new drills and things like that. Mm -hmm. I realized what my capabilities were and I was lacking in a lot of them. I remember one time <laughs> I was, I was trying to stick handle with one hand while throwing the ball up with the other. And I was like, what is going like? I can't do this. Like it was, it was insane. I'm like, what is yeah. going on? And um, I realized, and I don't know if you had that at all, or I mean, there was drills. I'd write them down and be like, this would be a great one. I remember one I was, I, had, I was, uh, I was stick handling and then I would have a soccer ball and I was supposed to like kind of juggle it with my feet. Yeah. And I remember trying it. And then after about 30 minutes, I'm like, no, oh, we're done. Like that's not happening. <laughs> It's but, great uh, though. It's be creative. Be like that's what half my stuff was. I'd sit there in the garage with a stick in the morning and kind of just come up with new drills. Think of different things. They said there's no right or wrong way to do it. If, if you're yeah. moving and stick handling, you, you're getting better. Yeah, that was also too. I also when we were, I, you know, when I was doing a lot of my stuff at home, you know, you put some headphones in, and I would just go down to the basement and I would catch myself stick handling. And next thing you know, like 25 minutes has gone by, and I'm like, whoa, like. It brings you back to just like when you were a kid. I don't know if you were the same way, but when I was a kid, I would go to my basement and just like zone out for hours. Like, and I would just stick handle and like just listen to me and like, shoot pucks and stick handle and all these other great, awesome things that were happening. And, um, you know, and that's one of the things I, I encourage kids to do today is just, just go to your basement and play. Um, it's like, yeah, my, uh, one of my, one of my family members in Michigan, they were telling me the story about during the safer at home quarantine, that one of the things that they saw that they haven't seen in such a long time is the amount of street hockey going on in this, mm -hmm. in like the, in the, in the subdivision, they were like, well, kids can't play. They're like, now there's actual legitimate, like pickup games going on all the time. Like cars are coming, kids are moving the net again, you know, they're putting them That's in the street. Yeah, well, that's where I learned to play the game the most was in the yeah. streets growing up. I was fortunate that the neighborhood we lived in, we all kind of played hockey and the kids that didn't learned. And yeah. we had a game every day after school or every day in the summertime. It was it was an awesome. We had goalie gear, everything. It was awesome. Make my little brother play goalie until he cried because we shoot too many at him. <laughs> Poor guy. I feel bad for him to this day. Appreciate it. And well, stepping in playing goalie for us. Yeah, you think about it, but that made his hockey career. Probably made him. A, did he end up being a goalie? Yeah. No, he ended up playing through high school. But yeah, he same thing. Like a lot of my buddies, we just we just love to play in the streets and have fun with it. Yeah, I remember coming home and I remember using like my my Bauer Lindros stick. And by the time you know June ends, that you have no blade left on your blade. Mm -hmm. <laughs> using it. My mom getting yeah. mad. She had to spend fifteen bucks to buy me a new one. Think about it now. I spend way more than fifteen, 15 bucks <laughs> by a dozen of them. Yeah, um, but one of my other questions for you too is, um, you know, I want to talk more a little bit more about the admirals in the NHL. And in your in in your opinion, um, and you've seen it with players that go up and down from the NHL to the AHL. And what are some of the what are some of the intangibles that some of those players who make it to the NHL? And what are some of the reasons why they stick? Like that they're able to stay there for a, a longer period instead of going up and down. I think that's a that's a difficult question. That's I mean, if you if you had the answer, you'd preach it and, and everybody would do it. But I think some of the things you see is consistency. I think showing up every night. I know, uh, as like someone on the outside might look, well, they're a professional athlete. They get paid to do it. They should show up every night. But there's factors that come into it, whether it be family life or whatnot. But consistency, showing up every night, and giving your best every mm -hmm. single night, is an extreme key to play in any level, high level of sport that I think is consistency. And then it, when you get called up to the NHL, you, you got to do something to stand out in very limited role. Like you're not going to get up there and play 20 minutes in your first game, unless you're someone really special, which that's a whole different conversation. But most guys that get called up from our team, they're looking anywhere from probably four to eight minutes of playing time, 
what are you going to do to separate yourself? You know, so consistency, if you get up there and you don't play well in those four minutes, you're going to get sent down mm -hmm. and then separating yourself, whether like, and it could be like it's intangible blocking a shot, hitting everything that moves, like make yourself noticeable. It's, it's rare that you're going to go up and score three goals. So what else can you do to yep. show worth for yourself when, when you get that call to, Oh, this guy's, you know, he's, he's working in coach's mind, get in his mind, let him know that, you know, oh, okay, well, he worked really hard tonight. He had six hits and whatever. And the next game, maybe get a little more trust and that's how you go. And then once you get established, then, then you start to get that bigger piece of a pie that you want with special teams and more playing time. And then as a player, I mean, like we're talking about roles here in, in making your mark. I mean, how difficult is you were, a, I'm assuming you were a goal scorer in college uh, in juniors in college. And um, when you got to the pro level, what, how did your game change? Did you have to adapt and we kind of find different roles on each team to, to kind of, you know, stick with that team. And then when you actually made the jump to the NHL, um, you know, how did your role change within all of those teams and stuff like that? Yeah, that's a great question. It's every year we get 20 new guys that were, you know, that come out of junior college, they were the leading scorer of their team. So we can't have 20 top six players on our team. So players have to find a way to adjust to their new roles, whether it be more defensively or penalty killing. And then um, for me, like when I first came into pro, I went to the East Coast League and played pretty good minutes. And because I was pretty, pretty good year in college, went to the East Coast League was given great opportunity by the coach there and kind of ran with it. But then I spent two years going up and down because I'd go to American League team after American League team. And like I talked about, you only get three or four minutes of playing time and you, you're used to scoring your whole life. And now you, you don't score and you don't get put out there in offensive zone situations. And so it is a grind and it's a mental battle. Like a lot of the things people ask me about, it's just like, how'd you make it? I was willing to just keep going. Like, you can't stop. Yeah. And that's where I think, you know, like, and that's what I, we, we have a high school kid that are going on to play in the NA right now that we, that come skate with us and things like that. And they're hopefully going to make the jump to college and, and things like that. And it's one of the things I try telling kids all the time is that like the role, you know, is, is great. And if you can do that role, it's awesome. But as you get older and you're playing with older kids and, like the talent levels there and you got to be able to understand that you're not going to be that goal scorer. You're not going to score 60 goals in your senior in high school and then score 60 goals in the NA. Like there's a, there's a gap and you got to be able to adapt with. And I, I think, I think we you know, and this is what I tell players, you got to love the game, right? Mm -hmm. You gotta, if you're not like, and that's the thing I tell people is you play hockey to play the game. You play it cause you love it. But if you're, you know, like most people want to score goals because it's fun. <laughs> that's what makes the game awesome. But for the people that love the game, they also understand that I, in order for me to keep playing this game at the level I want, I, I gotta love it. And I'm like, you probably like, I mean, you played it for as long as you did. You, you probably played because you loved it, right? I still love it. I yeah. wish I could play tomorrow if I could. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you said, the biggest thing, uh, one, that's a great point you made is just be, play different positions. Not, I'm not talking like play forward and play D. Like if you're a forward, mix in playing center and wing because when you get to our level like someone might get called up and that might be your next opportunity you might have to switch to center or wing and the players that can do that effectively now you're creating more jobs for yourself i remember when i got called up to the nhl i was right wing and center pretty much my entire career i'm a right shot and i played center coach called me in his office he goes can you play left wing without hesitation yep like i'll figure it out like yeah. just whatever it takes like do it and that's uh, that's kind of my advice for that is just you know play all different positions, practice taking faceoffs, and tangibles are so important. And that's where like too is even when you talk about uh, positions, and that's something that like at the youth level, I am a firm believer in is that like you know parents get fixated on a position. Like my kid, you know my kid doesn't want to play today because you have him on defense. It's like well, well. Well, why does he not? And then, you know, some coaches like, okay, so high, and they move the kid back to forward. And it's like, well, you know, you got to talk to the parents. Like, why don't you want to play defense? Well, he wants to score goals. And I get it. All seven and eight year olds want to score goals or nine year olds. Mm -hmm. They all want to score goals. But like in today's game, which I'm sure you guys see all the time, like just because you play defense doesn't mean you can't score goals. Like, nope. I mean, like, and that's what I always tell parents. Like, it's not the position, it's the, it's the role within that position that matters. If you're, 
if you're a puck moving defenseman, like you're going to score goals. <laughs> like you're just as important oh, yeah. sometimes as that, you know, that forward crash the net. Like I didn't like, that's what I tell my parents. Like I didn't say you couldn't be down in the offensive corner just because you're a defenseman. I just said, you better be back in time though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, better, you better be back. If you're going to be down in the offensive corner, you better be fast enough to get back. And, um, and that's what I've tried to stress to a lot of our coaches is, is maybe don't change your position, but have the coaches change the roles in each position. Like, you know, have your center instead of him being, you know, defensively responsible. Why don't you sag your wingers down a little bit? Have them play more of that responsibility down there. Learn how to play in the corners mm-hmm. defensively and things like that. Um, you know, it's only going to help your kid when they get to that next level. I mean, most kids only make that jump from bantams to high school, and they're trying to find that role from how do I fit in on this team and and that jump. You know, you're you're, you're sometimes you're 13 playing against an 18 year old. That's a that's a mammoth gap and. Yeah. And you're trying to like those high school kids are still trying to figure it out. Like they want to play varsity, but they got to figure out a role to play on that team. And that's the other thing too. I'm sure you were like this. And that's one of the things I have, what you said when your coach asked you, you know, what's, you know, can you play left wing without hesitation? What? Yes. I always tell people like when you're doing this, like understand, be willing to do anything. Like mm-hmm. you have to, like, you're not better than anybody. Like if a coach asks you to play PK, play PK, like, you know, like, yeah, you got to figure this stuff out because if you don't figure it out now, then this is going to be the end of the road for you. Don't show hesitation. That's yeah. a, that's a key. Like coach calls you into his office and we've had guys too. It's like, Oh, we're going to try you on the wing. Well, I usually play. No, don't know. <laughs> don't do that. Like, <laughs> please don't do that. Like just be firm and be confident in your ability that you can do it. It's the same yeah. game. And that's the thing too is like uh, you guys probably work quite a bit with Nashville, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they, they I mean, they're, are they pretty hands-on as an organization with you guys? Yeah, Scott Nichols, our GM, and yeah. he works with the player development as well with Nashville. So he's kind of our middle ground, our contact guy. We we see a lot of him. He does a great job as a GM. He's constantly in Milwaukee, seeing our players, and that's not the same with every team. So it's really nice that his presence is around our players because it's important for our Milwaukee players to see the NHL team cares and they're invested in them. And so I, I think that's great. And day-to-day contact goes through him. Um, I know our head coach talks to Nashville's head coach on and off. And then um, as a higher staff, usually not on day-to-day stuff, but Nashville's very inclusive of all of us. So at training camp, we're, we're expected to speak in meetings and it's a bit intimidating first time around, but it was it's a great experience and, you know, breaking down players and, and being in those meetings, it's, it's something that's pretty cool being a player for so long and then being on the other side of it. It's, it's pretty interesting to see what goes on. That's awesome. What, and then as far as like their involvement, do they, I mean, do they come to you guys? And I mean, obviously you guys have a great amount of impact when players get called up or things like that. Do they say, you know, if these next two three months, we want to see you guys working on these things with the players, are they, or do they kind of just lay that up to you guys and then get your opinion? Like, hey, we're looking for, um, you know, a, you know, second line, top six forward. Who do you who do you think? Or or is it more of, hey, this is the guy we're deeming as a top six forward. I want you to work on him and do this. Like, what? How does that interaction work? Yeah, it's pretty similar. It's very open dialogue. It's they're they're not a, a for lack of better like dictatorship by any means. They yeah. give us a lot of rope to to work with guys and teach guys and. And Nashville is probably one of the best I've seen at rewarding guys that deserve it the most. Like they don't always just call up a draft pick because he's higher on the list. They have rewarded a lot of guys. Jared Tenorti, one of our defensemen last year, being one of the most recent guys that his play spoke volumes. And when they called for a defenseman, we said he's playing the best and they took him and we didn't see him again. Now he's probably going to be in Nashville next year. So it's great to see organizations that, you know, stand behind and, and truly reward the guys that earn it and deserve it because that's, that's not always the case. And then for the, for your guys' team, like how many are there, I mean, I, I'm, and I forgive me if I, I'm not, if I don't know the answer, or I don't know, but how many guys that you do have on your team that kind of just work their way up undrafted that just battle, like do you have, I mean, are those players coming up through you guys? Yeah, for sure. We got, uh, I mean, we got a player right now. His name's Tanner Janot. Guys would know, like, if you've watched Adam's play, you'll know his name. He he is a kid that literally, if I tell him to jump, he's going to jump. And he'll do whatever it takes to get to the NHL. And, you know, I, I firmly believe there's a strong chance that he'll, he'll play games because of that mentality. He's undrafted. 
scored a bunch of goals in junior, but got to us and we're not, we, we don't look at him as a goal scorer, but now he blocks shots. He penalty kills. He's willing to fight when he has to for his teammates. He, and he does everything and anything we ask him. So it's great to see that kind of old school mentality that no one's going to stop him. Yeah. And that's where like, too, is I, I don't want to think I, I want some of the youth players and things to know is how important that relationship is to have a coach like you guys who believe in that kid. I'm sure like you got a soft spot for him. And it's one of those things where it's like, you want to see him succeed because he's doing everything right. He's, right. he's willing to put in the time. He's willing to battle. He's willing to fight. He's willing just to do what it takes to, you know, and that's what I tell kids that some, like, they don't realize that sometimes at the younger levels, like, like your like people and coaches remember things like I, I remember teams of it sounds silly but I remember teams that shake my hand like kids who shake my hand after a game right they come to the right. line and fist pumping you there you know seeing a 10 year old sometimes take off his glove and stop and say like you know good game coach that sticks with those little things the guys who do everything the right way it helps in life for sure like, really does and I was gonna say like do you have any examples of players that have besides who you just mentioned like of players and maybe in your pro career, but they did everything right and it worked for them. And, you know, like it's, it's, that happens quite a bit, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, myself, an example, I, you know, got never really got an NHL opportunity until I was 30 and, but like um, just continue to work for it. A player that I played with in the Dallas stars organization named Colton Seager. And he played, I believe four years in tech in, in the AHL and just, mm-hmm. you know, went about his business, continued to improve each year, was supposed to play in Dallas early, didn't, just continued each year, stuck with the process, worked hard, worked hard for four years, didn't complain that he wasn't where he wanted to be, and now he's been in the NHL, I think, the last six or seven years. Like, I just wish I could like grab guys and be like, listen, like, you're 20 years old or 21 years old and you're coming into the league, give your AHL team, give me four years Mm-hmm. of your time and at 25 I, there's going to be a good chance you're going to be in the nhl if you're willing to do it yep. or you choose to take easy way outs and maybe not skip that extra workout or not do this and you wonder why it doesn't happen so it's an it's a hard road but if you really want it and that's kind of that's how my whole career went along like i and it's um something that i realized about halfway through my professional career was nobody was going to give me anything. And mm-hmm. I wish I would have realized it earlier. I did have periods where I was like, why is this guy getting called up? I have more goals or why is this guy getting called up? I have more points. You can't control management. And I especially learned that now that I'm on the other side of it. Like you can't control what, what, you know, your coach and midget coaching any level, high school, junior, you can't control them and their decisions. You can't control what you do. So that's what I started looking internally and became a better teammate, cheered for my teammates when they got called up, controlled my workouts, my aggression, my hunger, like really drove to want to be in the NHL. And if I never made it, at least I could sit here today saying I did everything I could to make it. And that's kind of once I got that realization, like my career, like my last six, seven years pro, just I started scoring more, got my NHL chance and played a long time and had a little great experience playing the game that I love. So it's, it's a road, but it was a fun road. It's amazing that like, it's, it's something as simple as that is like focusing on yourself, right. And controlling the things you can control. And then you like, I, and I mean, players have that through their careers that you see they they focus on, you know, why Johnny's getting, you know, talked to by this team or why that kid made that team. But when people start just focusing on what they can do and what they can control, how much, more beneficial it is for their careers like and like just their training right and like we tell kids this all the time like like don't ever comp- and because at a, a youth level the maturity of kids you know between how mm-hmm. big they are is it fluctuates like so much that what we always tell kids is just don't ever compare yourself to the guy next to you because it's it's not fair you're not comparing apples to apples like just compare yourself to where you were yesterday right that's great that's it because if you can if you could just compare yourself to the way you were yesterday and you're getting better that's the right track and you know like we can't you know i always you always worry about why i'm not on the power play or why i wasn't this and then if you just worry about what can i do to get on the power play you you ask that you change your question up right and that's what i tell some of the kids like stop asking like why this player is in this like 
just rephrase the question. Like, what do I have to do to get there? Right. And I'm sure That's you guys experience 100% true. Because you that, want something, go get it. Yep. Don't ask why. Don't blame somebody. Go and get it. Because yep. it's obtainable if you really, truly want it. Don't yeah. pass blame. Don't take the easy way out. And it's it's extremely hard to do the right thing all the time. Yeah. Right? Isn't it like it's, it's hard. It's it's And then that's what I always say, too. It's, it's so easy, too. Like, I remember every... You know, kids when they get cut from teams, they, like the the blame. You know, like the people they want to like. Oh, I I didn't get it because of this or like like that is so easy. And it's and oh. you know, think about how many times like you've gotten cut from something or I mean maybe you never got cut. But I mean I got cut quite a bit. But uh, it's one of those yeah. things where you get cut and you you spend you know two weeks making excuses for yourself and two weeks instead of two weeks like working like getting better. And that's where like. Sometimes I even tell parents, like, when your kid gets cut, the worst thing you can ever do is say, like, oh, the coach didn't like that or it's politics. Like, you just set your son back in here by, oh. like, letting him have that excuse. And, I mean, at your level, like, when you send a player down, I'm sure you guys are up front and, like, no, like, like you yep. can do better, right? My message, yeah. when we send guys down and if it's a forward, I'll, I'll grab them and I'll say, listen, like, you can sent down to the East Coast League. You go there with the – nothing's going to stop me mentality. I use a little bit more naughty of word there, but yeah. <laughs> you go there, you get it done, be the best player there and you'll be back here in a week or two. Yeah. Or you can go there and, you know, big wheel them and think you're too good for the league and you might never come back. Mm -hmm. So it's on you go there and prove that we made a mistake. Yeah. Like prove like may force our hand to call you back up. And yeah. some guys do it. And you think about all the players that have used that as motivation and success for the, I mean, it's even after hockey, right? Like the players that have learned from their failures and some people look at it like getting cut or something or getting sent down or things as like a detriment for you. Like, man, like I remember getting cut my Bantam double A year in hockey and I was devastated, but it ended up being the best thing in my life. Like, you know, you look for back sure. at it, like it made me the player I became um, not your level, but it made me a, a player that, you know, for sure started, you know, understanding that things don't come easy. And I would look back, I look at it back on it 25 years later, I wouldn't give it up for a second. Like, you know, and I, I, you know, you always remember like vividly, I remember being in the car being like, you know, it wasn't just one team that cut me. I think I got five of the tier ones in Michigan. <laughs> cut me. So I, I got to experience it five times over. But it was great because the first time maybe it was an excuse. Second time it was someone else's fault. Third time this person I didn't get a fair look, but by the fifth time, it was like, no, your skill set's not there. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, I got like two points on that. Like it's, I actually see someone wrote in, I remember when you played midgets for the yeah. flames and for Nick Polis. So the story behind that is I got there at the time, there was only team Illinois and Chicago young Americans were the two AAA teams. Yeah. And I got cut from both of them, my midget year. And Nick called my dad and got me to come try out for the Chicago flames midget double A. So I, I didn't play midget triple A, I played midget double A. Yeah. shocking I know to some parents that I played double A and, and had a pretty successful career but um it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me because to this day I still talk to Nick and he was a mentor guided mm -hmm. me right down the right path like took the time at that level to teach me systems and teach me you know how to how to play the game and want it and yeah. he did things that no coach that I had ever played for did and like motivated and, and forced me into that and you know, he, he changed things for me and, or I might've got lost in the mix in AAA. I, I went and honed my skills with a coach that believed in me and, you know, it, it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me. And then you need to look no further. It's funny you say that, like I just watched the do the Jordan documentary and the best line from the whole thing is he gets cut from his varsity team. He goes home and his mama looks at him and says, you better work harder next year. That's, and he did. Like yep. it's, it worked out all right for him, but I know we're not all Michael Jordan, but it's a simple message. Like don't pass blame and you'll go a lot farther. Yeah. And, and maybe, and maybe this was the same case for you when you got cut because like it's kids go through this all the time. And like when I got cut, I had, you know, it's going from like obviously tier one to tier two or double a hockey. But like the best part about that for me was I was able to become the player that like it's not that i wanted to be but you know i was playing a super reactive game when i was playing tier one i was always trying to catch up i was 
I was I was playing a good team game, like you know, get over the red line, dump the puck at the time, stick to your defensive rules and things like that. But I wasn't I wasn't becoming a good I wasn't I, my individual skills weren't there. Like mm-hmm. you know, like um, I didn't have the confidence to try to skate through somebody. I didn't have the confidence to make that pass. I didn't have I didn't I would get in the slot and I wouldn't shoot. You know, I, I'd look for somebody else to fire the puck for me, and it's it was ridiculous when I you look back on things like that. And you tell parents like it's okay to play at a lower level and dominate it and one you get the skills from it and right. like that's what happened to me when i got cut the game slowed down i had a coach um i had i was i was incredibly lucky i had a um guy named kyle krug to coach me for one of was tory krug's dad <clears throat> he was one of my coaches during this time period and he did an amazing job of breaking down the game for me making me understand it like helping me kind of learn how to play the game which was right. the best part about it and i mean i'm sure you, you experienced similar things and i made that like it was leaving that year i was i mean i was a, i was my whole game transformed like it was and it was awesome because i learned it up top here i was you know like started getting smart i started understanding things and then that that fire i had from getting cut like was burning man it was right <laughs> that's the thing like teach i think getting cut or losing a tournament I think that's very healthy. Like I, I'm a firm believer in learn to lose. Don't, don't, you know, don't discredit losing. Don't say everybody's a winner today. Well, no, because somebody lost the game and, and, and build that burning desire. Cause like after sports, the real world happens and losing is losing there. And all of a sudden then you're really in trouble. Like I still believe we need to teach winning and losing, you know, maybe not at a baby age, but, you know, pretty shortly after, I think it's healthy to learn the feeling of loss. I remember like losing a tournament, crying in the back of my parents' car, but like those things stick with me and they drove me to be work harder and be better and getting cut from that team. Like you want to prove people wrong. I, I, I fear that that mentality is kind of slipping away and, and you see it every now and then a player like that Tanner who still has it. And I'm like, this kid's going to make it be, strictly because no one's going to tell him no. Yeah. And that's one of the things too. It's I love I love I love hearing stories about like Tanner and things like that because when those things happen to players, like I love seeing you know asking a kid like what are your goals? What are your aspirations? What do you like? What do you want? And they tell you all these great things. Oh, I want to make the NHL. I want to go D one. I want to do this. And then something doesn't go their way. If they get cut or you know they didn't make this central district, or something of the sort. And then mm-hmm. you actually see like well how bad do you want it? Because like. Right. If you don't get what you want, like, and you fail, like, it shows you, and it shows you how much you actually want something by how you're going to attack it after you don't get that, you know, your desired outcome. And that's what I always love to find is like you have kids that can just tell you all these amazing things, but when it finally doesn't go their way, how bad do they still want it, right? And that's what you find out with players. I'm sure it's at the at the pro level, guys get sent down and either like I don't I mean some probably pack it in and be like, you know what, I'm, or some just say like it's time. Like, okay, I yeah. want it. Like, this is how bad I want it. Um, it's awesome when you see that light bulb kind of yeah. go off because more often than not, it, it doesn't go off. But when a player, you know, turns it on and decides that this is his summer or this is his season to turn things around, then it's, it's fun for us. It was fun for me as a player to see teammates make that jump when they're young. And now it's, it's even better as a coach to kind of see a guy that puts in the work and the time get rewarded for it. And, yeah. You can't you can't do it for them is kind of what we always say because we tell them what to do and tell them this is exactly what you need to do and it's up to them to put the work in after that i love that line um but we're gonna be wrapping it up i just want to say thanks for coming on but i do have one last question for you and it's um it's 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 a piece of advice for parents right now um you know i, I you're you're looking at it from the top down for uh parents and things like so you've seen everything right I would venture to guess you've seen the pro career, college, you know, juniors, the whole gamut of the game. What is one advice you have for parents, whether it's, you know, you know, you know, don't let it, you know, like have fun, enjoy what, like what is, what is one piece of advice you have? I'd say it goes back to just that control what you can control. Yeah. And that, I mean, that changed my life essentially. Like mm-hmm. there are so many exterior things now with youth hockey and, and even moving into junior and college and pro like teach, Teach your player that, like you said, we don't pass blame. Don't don't pass blame. Take it on yourself. Continue to work hard. Live with yourself. Be able to live with yourself at the end of the day. 
Mm -hmm. So for me, it's it, it always comes back to that saying, and, and it's something I've stuck with now for geez, almost ten years. It's just control what's in your own ability, and it, and at the end of the day, if it if you fall short, you won't have regrets, and you'll be able to live with it. Yeah. Just make sure you do everything in your power to get what you want, whatever that is. Sports, life, it's just kind of the way I I live, and and I firmly believe in it. I don't know. I just. I think good things are going to happen if you want something and, and you go all in for it. That's amazing. I just want to say thank you again for coming on. I, uh, I, pleasure to have you on. This was awesome. Like I love, I love talking hockey with people. Yeah. This is awesome. So thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Um, is uh, I guess I mean you gave advice to the parents. Do you have any last things you'd like to add before we uh, shut her down here? I don't think so. Like I said, I hope everybody's staying safe with this, with everything that's going on, and. I don't know, like, like you do too as well, like trying to run hockey camps, but at the end of the day, it, it's a game and, and family's more important and I hope everyone's staying safe and we'll get through this and hockey will be back. Gosh, I miss hockey. And we had a great, you know, a shout out to our Admirals team this year. We, we were the best team in the league and the season gets taken away from those guys. I, I mean, as a coach, it, it stinks, but I, I've been in that locker room when you feel like you have something special, it doesn't happen every year. And they, they, that team had a chance to win it all. And it's tough that all that work that they did, because they put in a lot of work, they showed up every day mm -hmm. to work for us. And we got, it's sad that they won't get a chance to, to, to make a run for the cup, but I think we'll be bigger and stronger next year and more hungry and use that setback as in order to push us forward and hopefully make another run next year. Absolutely. Well, quick question. I just brought me a sure. how many of your players, I mean, with the NHL kind of, it sounds like they're looking to start up soon. Mm -hmm. Are there any players on the Admirals right now that are possibly going to get called up for the stretch run or, or the, right, the black aces, right? That's yeah. what they call them in the NHL. Um, the rules still haven't been very clear. We, we know pretty much as much as like the general public knows, to yeah. be honest, it's it, there's still touch and feel on how many players they're going to allow into that kind of that camp mentality that they're trying to run i think that's the hub city is the way they're trying to go with it and we'll see from there i know they're trying to keep numbers as low as possible but you do need to have guys game ready because yeah. it's hockey and you're going to have injuries especially with set off of two and a half months and now all of a sudden you're thrown into nhl playoff games it, it's going to be interesting because yeah. there's a lot on the line when it gets to playoffs time have you been working with any of the players? Like, uh, I mean, like Wisconsin rinks are starting to open up, you know, and has, uh, has your staff been working with some of the players or some of the, or is, is there no contact at all? All of our Admiral players are home after yep. our season got postponed. They all, we sent them all home. Um, some of them are wherever their home city is. Some of them have opened back up to the, where they can go to the gyms or possibly get on the ice. But as for here in Milwaukee, um, no, we haven't had much interaction. We we've had a couple Zoom meetings with the team, especially when the season officially got canceled. Just kind of thanking the players, telling them, you know, have that burning desire coming into next year that we talked about, and yep. just thank them for making a, a great year for me as a coach. Like the growth this year with the team we had was it was awesome. So, yeah. But as for skating around here, there's there's no none of our players are around. So pretty low-key around here. That's why I've been doing those hockey videos online, just trying to get some sort of hockey back. Oh, man. And I can tell you what, I know I, I, I speak not just for myself, but I know you had a lot of people following you on those. And you, awesome job. I, I, I loved seeing what you were doing. I, I loved seeing the amount of content that people in hockey were putting out. Um, and I loved seeing it when people were doing it for no cost. Like, I, I, for me, sitting there like during COVID, like you know, certain kids had, you know, there's there was that sense of anxiety for a lot of people about like what am I doing? And you're worried about other kids getting ahead or something like that. But when people like yourself come out and say, No, we're just gonna do these videos and there's nothing, you know, there's no bells and whistles, it's just how you do it. like I, I appreciate that. Like, you know, like and I'm I'm sure all those parents and kids out there truly appreciated it as well. And um, it's great to see when people like yourself give back to the game and things like that, especially at the youth level. So, you know, thank you. Yeah, for it was that. great. Tons of fun, really good feedback from a lot of people. And yep. 
like I said, it was a great bonding experience with my daughters and my little four-year-old boy hopped in every now and then. That was a real challenging event when he got on the video because like, you know, live is live. So you can't, you don't want to be yelling at your kids on camera. So, but uh, it was a definitely an experience and I'm so happy we did it. And we continue to do it this summer. We're going to try to continue to do it on the Fridays. Yeah. What time is it on Friday then? Sorry? What time is it this Friday? We always do it at 11 a.m. Central Time. Yeah. It's crazy how far it's grown. I've had some people in like past teams I've played on caught wind of it. So I've got some people in Canada that have said they're doing it or my wife's got relatives in Canada. So it's pretty cool how it spreads. And it's, it's, it's all about just giving back and it's 100% free and all the past ones are still on there. So you can go and do those. So I had it's a lot of fun. It blew my mind. I had a, a parent that reached out and they were asking me questions about one of my videos and I was like, oh, great. Like, and then all of a sudden I was like, they didn't, I had a challenge and they didn't win the challenge. The kid, they sent me the video and the kid was awesome. Like, and uh, he, he was working hard and I'm like, man, this kid's awesome. And I, I kind of figured, oh, I wonder where the parent's from. I was like, I'll send you a free t-shirt and, and, and short. So like, send me your address. And then he sent me the address and it was Rhode Island. I'm like, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> what are you I was like, I thought like, and then I even said to the guys, like, I, I apologize. I was assuming it was going to be Wisconsin somewhere, but right. Rhode Island. And I remember even another one that blew my mind. I had a kid, he was sending me a video of his and I was like, that's an awesome video. I'm like, what's outside? I'm like, what is that? And he's like, and this was, you know, middle of May. And he's like, oh, it's snow. And I'm like, where are you at? And I was like, mm -hmm. the north in Manitoba. I'm like, no way. <laughs> so that's cool. It is cool. And it's cool the way that like all these, things connected everybody and like you know it's like i got i met a really awesome guy out of california that was doing the same thing and giving away all stuff for free and um you know it's i talked to him quite a bit i had him on as a guest and just learning about how he handles california hockey and things like that was it connected a lot of people and i thought it was, and i stole a lot of his drill too <laughs> so mm -hmm. so it's not but, stealing it's a great game it's like it's crazy, like things you can take from other teams and other players, and just grow the game. And like we said, it's it's not a changing or it's not a new game. The goal is the same: put the puck in the net. But to evolve and kind of learn new things and have fun with it, it's great. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for coming on. This was amazing. I had an awesome time interviewing you, and I really just truly do appreciate you coming on. And wish you all the best with your Admirals team next year. And um, wish your kids all the best, and I hope Shaw does great with next year with your youth hockey. If you guys are ever in Fonny, stop by. I'm, my office is in the corner of the ring. Say hi. Um, Sounds good. So, awesome. Thank you again for coming on. For those of you guys, we will be back next Wednesday at noon with another Views from the Bench, so check in there. Um, if you guys have any other questions for Greg or myself, you can email me. Uh, my contact info is on the Hockey Factory page, and I can pass them along too. So thank you guys again, and Greg, thank you again for coming on. I really do appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Yep.